0: McKinney Flavel's Hot Commodity Podcast Series. Empowering clients with commercial intelligence, supply chain expertise, and risk management solutions. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Mike Coughlin, President and CEO of McKinney Flavel, and welcome to our Hot Commodity Podcast Series. I'm joined today by Craig Ruffalo, Vice President of McKinney Flavel. Hello, Craig.
1: Hey, Mike. How's everybody doing out there today?
0: Happy Friday to you. Getting ready for the weekend. The kids are going to go back to school next week for I a know. lot of us in the California, Northern California
1: area. So uh,
0: we're going to enjoy this Crazy
1: weekend. days, man. I've got a senior and a sophomore now. So, yeah, oh my we're, gosh. we're gearing up. Oh, my gosh. Then the college talk. I know. Oh, man. <laughs> Already started.
0: Yep. Yeah. Well, Craig, I thought I'd bring you on today to talk a little bit about a symposium that you were at, and that was with the American Sugar Alliance. Uh, it's an annual symposium that they have, and this year was in Napa, California, in our backyard, in one of your favorite areas, for obvious reasons. For sure. And uh, so I thought today, for those that uh, weren't able to attend the symposium, that uh, you could give them a little recap and and uh, maybe start off about what it is and and who the group is, and, and uh, what are the main things they usually discuss and an update. I think that would be perfect.
1: Uh, sure. So American Sugar Alliance is the main lobby group in D.C. for the sugar producers. Uh, it's a combination of both the beet and cane uh, lobbyists. They come together annually to give an update to the producers as to the status of the sugar policy and what's going on in Washington, some of the changes within the representation in the House and Senate, Uh, and what might be actively being negotiated on, whether it's a trade agreement uh, or it's having to do with domestic policy, or maybe even just an overall uh, summarization of what might be influencing sugar and sugar products. And so they come together once a year. It's right ahead of harvest for the beet sugar industry, harvest for the cane industry, and planting, of course, for the next year for the cane industry. So the predominant Folks that are in attendance are actual growers. Uh, there are, of course, the, the lobbying efforts uh, for both the sugar users and the sugar producers. And then there's some Washington USDA folks uh, and some banks, financial institutions, and then some, some folks like us that are market analysts that either are presenting or, or listening in on what might be going on. Excellent. Yeah, this year's theme, because it's the year that the farm bill mm-hmm. is up for renewal, was probably the predominant a topic of conversation throughout the uh, symposium, and of course, the number one question is: Will we have a new farm bill? Yeah, and yeah. you know, Mike, you know, you and I have been around long enough. We've been through a few of these negotiations, particularly when it comes to policy. It never comes easy. Yeah, and the number one statement that uh, I heard coming out of many of the members of Congress that do end up coming is that there are fifty percent. Of the House of Representatives are new members wow. and have never negotiated a farm bill, so they're not really familiarized with all of the things that go on behind the scenes to actually get something done. Yeah. Uh, so the th- the you know one of the congressmen from California, um, Congressman Costa, mentioned that his challenge that he sees is that they had thirteen bills that they were trying to bring to the House floor before recess in August, and even still maybe before the December 31 calendar year end. And to this point in time, they've brought in a grand total of one. Wow. To the floor.
0: Slow. Yeah.
1: It's been difficult for them to get anything done in Washington um, under the current environment. And he said that uh, his, his best guess was that they would file for an extension of the existing bill yep uh in order to allow for time to get the house on the uh bill together he felt maybe the Senate would take the lead they'd bring their their version of the farm policy and the farm bill to the floor first and then kind of push it over to the house uh, for final review so we'll see we've got some you know we've got some interesting conversation going on and the number one part of this is the cost yeah the estimated cost for the upcoming farm bill is one. Point five seven trillion dollars. Wow. Wow. And that's that. That sounds like the
0: most expensive farm bill
1: of all time. Of all so, time. Of all time. Yeah. And 81 percent of the designated funding for it goes to the SNAP program or food assistance yeah. programs. Uh, so, you know, it's basically suggesting that a lot of the members of Congress are looking at people that are in need. There's over 42 percent million Americans that are currently actively participating in the SNAP program. So over 10% of the population is utilizing some form of government assistance in their food nutrition. So it's not a small thing. Uh, And that, it's not. Yeah. So it it tends to lead to elongated discussions of where farmers are going to find funding for crop insurance or any of the other programs in which they're involved.
0: Exactly. And, And I think this farm bill in particular And when you look at the SNAP program, it uh, becomes with both both parties trying to negotiate and come up with a resolution even more difficult coming out of uh, a pandemic and coming out of huge increases in inflation. It's a very, very... uh, uh, difficult balance uh, for both sides to come together and combine that with a bunch of new people, <laughs> which you could call fresh perspective. Correct. Uh, yeah, it's, never, it's not a bad yeah. thing
1: necessarily. It's no, not they not don't at know all. the, the yeah. nuances of how to negotiate. Sure.
0: sure. So it, uh, it will be interesting. So specifically on that, I think the big question out there for especially our listeners is – your opinion on potential changes if any to the farm policy for sugar in particular
1: yeah so interestingly enough of course the single most important question to the end user is will we see any change to regulations as it pertains to the sugar policy portion of the farm act and the sua who is there the sweetener user association um uh, wanted to make it clear that sugar users don't want to necessarily do away with the Sugar Act. What they would like to see is some amendments to allow for a little more opportunity for refined sugar to find its way Mm -hmm. into our marketplace when there is a need, i.e. when you have a tightness, when you're on allocations because someone is claiming force majeure, or there's some weather event that is tightening our refined sugar, availability so they would yep. like to see the US Department of Agriculture have a few more tools in their toolbox to allow for additional importation of fully white refined sugars uh, yep. whether they're you know specialty sugars or just regular white sugar and so you know the the challenge that that obviously has is that the users would love that of course but the producers are all worried that you also want us to expand our production capabilities and without kind of giving up more of our white refined market what incentive you know would there be so if you're going to continue to chip away at our percent of the ownership of our own market why would we reinvest yeah and so there's been a little bit of that push pull going on and if you had my opinion i think at the end of the day i don't usually go against The producer side and these negotiations uh so if it it was my opinion i think we'll probably end up with a pretty darn similar uh sugar act as what we have the producers would like to see the loan rates increased slightly i don't know maybe they'll get a slight increase but i doubt it mike you know i think it's gonna they're gonna have to give that up to get what they want which is the safety net of the, the loan program yep got it Okay.
0: Anything else on the uh, sugar policy that you uh, want to mention?
1: Not right now. I think at the end of the day, if if the farm bill is up for renewal, the next thing that people are paying attention is the suspension rules. And it appears that, you know, again, the Mexican contingent is fairly satisfied. They just don't want to see us completely give up their share. Uh, so they'll fight for a million tons or more of, of access. But beyond that, I don't see a whole lot of uh, negotiation between countries as far as access there. But, of course, the corn dilemma, which is uh, maize or, or food-based corn uh, being tried to be eliminated or put heavy duties on by Mexico for U.S. imports, that puts the suspension uh, rules potentially in play or or limiting Mexico's sugar access. So just on an outlier, that's something to just kind of keep your eye on. But I don't see anything really changing.
0: Okay. Outside of uh, some extensions. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. Got it. Okay. What other topics did they uh, cover while you were there?
1: Well, first, uh, before we leave the Sugar Act, one thing that I will update everybody on is the crops. Okay. uh, Because that obviously ties into any crop insurance uh, potential. The beet sugar industry, I would say, is okay with what they think they're going to get. It's a little spotty in the upper Red River Valley. There's a little dryness. They have asked for a little rain but they're not completely paranoid about uh, a lowering of a crop yet. I would say that the Western regions of the country, they're very happy with the progress of the crops. Uh, The other one that's a little spotty is Michigan. The biggest challenge I saw from, I would say, a producer level is uh, Louisiana. Uh, They are very dry. Some of the sugar cane is not even five foot tall yet. Mm. Uh, And they are a month away or a month and a half away from harvest, and that's not good. So there are some farmers that will be... Uh, not harvesting their crop and putting it all towards crop insurance. So I don't anticipate Louisiana to have a good, uh, another record crop. Uh, They could lose 100, 150,000 tons off of this this current year's production number. So that's just something to be mindful as you look at the number 16 market. Mexico is uh, saying that they would love to get more access here, but uh, right now, frankly, they're not meeting their own uh, import requirements. So it's a tough one for them to, to suggest that they've got more ability to, to supply our marketplace. So just a little of the commercial side, I would say that uh, the number 16 doesn't have a whole lot of movement downside in, in the near term. Uh, we need to get a pretty good idea on what Florida is going to do before we would uh, probably put that one to bed and suggest we see a little bit of downside when we get new quotas. Um, other themes? Sugar reduction, uh, you know, high prices, what's the best cure for those, Mike?
0: High prices. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> so it, it appears that there is more and more discussion at the federal level about sugar reduction and pushing for lower uh, added sugars as part of our uh, uh, diet. The 10% uh, is a baseline that was developed by the WHO. It uh, has been perpetuated by FDA. They are now suggesting that. Um, 33% of consumers are now eating the same foods, but eating less or lower portions. They claim that 53% of consumers are choosing to eat foods with less uh, added sugars in them. Mm-hmm. And 14% of consumers have chose to eat foods with alternative sweeteners beyond sugar. Wow. So there's a push by federal government to try to put front end labeling uh, on the, the dockets to add to the ingredient statements, anything to try to call out added sugars to try to reduce that in uh, you and I's diet. Hmm. So it was it's a very big deal. They believe that under the current administration, uh, that there's a lot of positivity towards doing that. If there was an alternative administration, uh, they mentioned if a GOP... At the executive level, they tend to then move away from the federal levels of these mandates or these pushes onto the state. So obviously, the next election will have a lot to do with whether or not we feel that we're going to continue on these federal level sugar mandates for sugar reduction or if it will be pushed down to the state level. Got it. So that was an interesting um, outtake.
0: Yeah, it is interesting. <laughs>
1: and And then the last one of the themes was sustainability. The sugar industry, uh, particularly the beet sugar industry, they call themselves out a lot on this, has spent millions to try to reduce their carbon footprint uh, at the farm level through their processing. Uh, And uh, they're very vocal at this conference to suggest that the end users love to take advantage of that when they're uh, promoting that their carbon intensity or their carbon footprint has been lowered uh, as they've been mandating this uh, through their supply chain. But the producers feel like they're not necessarily getting a uh, benefit economically uh, in the price of sugar uh, as a result. Uh, so there's some call for the sugar industry to maybe start adding differentials. You can buy the sugar without your carbon, without being able to, to utilize our carbon uh, footprint, or you can buy our sugar with our carbon footprint at a, at a differential. So there's a lot to be said about how that's <laughs> yeah. ever going to fly. But I'll just say that there seems to be more call to arms by the beet sugar industry to identify that as a potential Understood. opportunity for an economic gain that they feel that they're not getting advantage. Sure. Sure. Well, I
0: mean, it's a, it's a very hot topic, and I think that uh, it's something that food manufacturers are are promoting. Uh, that They're sourcing ingredients and producing products that uh, come from sustainable and and um fair processes so
1: yeah I, you know again uh i i don't suggest the beet sugar industry shouldn't be credited with it it's just a matter of how do you identify it and how do you actually apply that to a specific price per pound of white refined sugar and yep. what's a fair price so how do you establish that before you start adding differentials that's where that's where the complexity yep. would come from
0: yeah yep absolutely okay anything else
1: that's about all i got for you man
0: well gosh that, that's a great recap thank you craig and uh thank uh thank you to our listeners uh hopefully you gained some great information if you couldn't attend the asa uh next year uh craig you said it's in seattle washington correct oh my gosh that's correct you know back to the northwest i i guess i'm gonna have to make that trip huh
1: i think you need to go mike i mean know kind of where your roots are from, my brother. I know. Seattle in August. That's beautiful. <laughs> it's not a bad place to be in August.
0: No, it's it's not a well, depending if you like rain or not. You know, uh, February is not
1: a good time to be in. No, I wouldn't, so. I wouldn't suggest February, but August, maybe.
0: August is fine. August is fine. So we're going to wrap this one up. Uh, as I always like to say, live with an attitude or gratitude, enjoy every minute moment with your friends and family, do something fun this weekend. And until our next podcast, take care, everybody. Take care, everybody. Bye, Bye now. That concludes this podcast episode for expanded commentary and more detailed information. Log on to McKinney Favelle's IQ ingredient intelligence platform and listen to our Market Insights podcast. If you're not a subscriber, visit bikini-lavelle.com for more information. And as always, follow us on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter.